Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to Brave Church. If you're a guest with us, my name is Samuel Laws. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in. But if you're in San Ramon on campus, what's up, family? Hey, this was a crazy full week for our team here in the Bay. We had high school camp, middle school camps, Pastor Darren, my dad, and Pastor Roger, the former lead pastor in Dublin, are both on vacation. So we're leveraging technology this Sunday, and I'm just honored to get to teach as we continue our summer vision series. So for those just joining us, we launched a vision campaign to raise money for some key projects. And so far in just two weeks, we have raised $250,000. So hey, Give yourselves a hand. Thank you so much for your generosity. We are so excited for all the ways that these projects will help us care for and reach people. So if you haven't given yet and you still want to, there's an online form that you can make your giving pledge, but there's also cards in the back of our auditorium and you can fill those out and turn those in. But if you could please do that this week or next week at the latest, that'll really help us in our planning. Um, Everything we do around here is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. So if you're interested in learning more about our church or getting connected this Sunday on campus in Dublin and in San Ramon, we're launching Fast Track. Uh, Fast Track is a three-week course that runs every month. It covers all the basics, why we exist, how we're organized, and how to get more involved. Our heart really with this is that we don't think it should be hard to belong. So these classes provide an on-ramp to everything we do. We have free lunch and kids care provided. And even if you're already a member, this is a good time to reset and to refocus. So we'd love for everyone who can to join us. We'll see you guys after the gatherings. Uh, But hey, a few weeks ago, we kicked off this vision series called What's Next? And what's next is a question that we have all been asking. And no one knows exactly. You know, it's hard to not be aware that we live in a time where the unexpected is possible. There are things that have happened in the last year that we would have never seen coming. And so in this moment where we're more aware than ever, we're talking about what is a vision? How do we find a vision for our lives, for our families, and for our future as a church? And so today we're gonna go big picture with the end in mind. The title of today's talk is How to Leave a Legacy. Um, I lost 12 pounds in the last three months, and it might not look like I had 12 pounds to lose, but I'm only 5'6", I'm a short guy, so uh, you know these clothes were getting kind of tight, and I made it a goal that I wanted to get healthier, and so I lost 12 pounds. And the number one question that people ask me when I tell them that I lost some weight is, how do you do it? Uh, And that's what everyone really wants to know, right? Because we can talk about how great something is all day long, but if we don't know how to get the same results, it doesn't help us. 
So today we're going to get really practical on how when it comes to legacy. Okay, first, let's get the elephant out of the room, okay? What does this guy know about legacy? You know, it's true. This isn't something most of us think about when we're young. One of my top five on strength finders is future, which means I'm always thinking about the future, and that's just a natural wiring for me to be considering possibilities and what could be. But to be honest, I haven't given much thought of what all these future plans would leave behind until recently. I'm 33 years old. Someone told me the other day that I'm in my last Jesus year, whatever, whatever that means. Uh, but I'm not old, right? I'm also not a kid anymore. And lately, I've found myself thinking a lot about legacy. Because as I'm transitioning into this role of lead pastor, I've got a front row seat to two former lead pastors, my dad and Pastor Roger, as they transition into their final stretch of ministry. It's been really humbling and an honor to be a part of these conversations with with both of them as they reflect and, and continue considering what God wants them to do next. Major transition points in life get all of us asking questions about our legacy. Legacy is what people remember when you're gone. What am I leaving behind? What is my legacy? Everyone leaves some kind of legacy, good or bad. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? Two Christmases ago, my papa died of a fast-progressing cancer, and it was so heartbreaking for our family. I cried, and I'm not usually a crier. And I cried because I missed him, and I wish he was still alive because of the legacy he lived. I wonder who will miss you when you're gone. When you miss someone, it's because their presence had an impact. He was a self-made guy from Boston who grew up in extreme poverty. He built a concrete business from nothing. He moved our family out here to California. You know, my papa, he made me feel like I could do anything in life if I worked hard enough. He was wrong. I was never going to play in the NBA, but it was still really encouraging, okay? When I was a kid, we had so much fun with Papa. He he would drive around and pick me up and my six other cousins, and he'd take us to McDonald's to get hash browns and then to the park to play. And as an adult, his legacy lives on as I realized just how awesome he was, as I remember through a different lens. Like, what kind of adult takes six little kids to a park? Like, what a legend to do that. At the time, my, my Papa may not have been thinking at all about the legacy that he was building, but he sure left one. See, whether we realize it or not, there is a universal truth about people who leave a great legacy, and and that is this. They make a felt difference in the lives of others. They make an impact. It leaves a void when they're gone, but it also leaves a blessing that we carry with us. I love this picture in Psalm 112, where it talks uh, about leaving a legacy. It says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. Notice the connection in these verses to a person who leaves a great legacy and how their life impacts others. 
A great legacy is built on how we use our lives to help others. In your notes, you can write this down. What we do for ourselves usually dies with us, but what we do for others lives far beyond us. There's a verse in the Old Testament about a son of King David, one of his sons, who didn't leave a very great legacy. Now, obviously, David is famous. His name has lived on through many, many, many generations. But one of his sons named Absalom actually betrayed his dad. And look what it says in 2 Samuel. It says, now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up for himself a pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to leave my name in remembrance. He called the pillar by his own name. It's called Absalom's monument to this day. You know what's crazy is this monument that he built for himself, it's still there. It's an ancient stone monument built by Absalom in his own honor. Now, ironically, the monument is a monument to a terrible legacy because for centuries, everyone who walks by, whether Jew or Christian or Muslim, stopped to throw a stone at it. Residents of Jerusalem still bring their kids to Absalom's monument to curse and throw stones at it. The truth is, whether we have great aspirations and ambitions or not, we all want to be remembered well. See, Absalom wanted to be remembered, and he is remembered, but not how he wanted to be. Absalom's story plays like a movie. There's lust, rage, revenge, deceit, rebellion. He was the pampered son of Israel's greatest king. He was born into privilege and a title with the highest of hopes placed on him by his father. Outwardly, Absalom seemed to have everything, everything you could ask for. He seemed to have a charmed life. But the scriptures say this of Absalom. In all Israel, there was no one to be praised so much for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish on him. How did this guy's seemingly perfect life fall apart? See, while he adored his fans, Absalom ran with a fast crowd and he plotted against his father. Absalom eventually succeeded in turning the nation against his father and drove him away to a temporary palace. Absalom wanted to be remembered, but his life ended in a shameful defeat with a monument he built for himself. David's response was a complete contrast. Okay? He left Jerusalem to avoid war with his son, which would have destroyed the city. Uh, he was merciful to Absalom's supporters as he crossed the Kidron, and then he mourned his son when he was killed in battle. History remembers both men very differently. I wonder, how do you want to be remembered? There's really two primary paths, the monuments we build for ourselves or the investments made in the lives of others. Shannon L. Adler said this, carve your name on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others and the stories they share about you. I love that quote. But how do we do it? How do we live our entire lives, not just the middle of our lives or the end of our lives, but from this day forward, wherever you're at, how can we know we're living a life that matters and will leave a legacy worth remembering for people that come after us? Today, we're going to talk about how to leave a legacy by looking at four biblical pillars of legacy. And the number one, this is the first, first thing that we have to do, is have a clear vision of what could be. 
a clear vision of what could be. We all need a mental picture of what could happen and what could be said about our lives. Uh, For example, what could happen in your family? What could happen in your finances and your future? What could happen in your education and how you could use that to help other people? What could happen in your relationship with God in your lifetime? It's really important to get a clear vision of what could be. Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. See, vision helps us make decisions. It helps us know what to say yes to and what we must say no to. Uh, There's a principle of how vision works. It goes like this, the clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decisions. In Habakkuk 2, it says, write down the vision, make it clear. This should be a matter of prayer. It should be exciting. See, a clear vision is so powerful for our lives. Helen Keller, she said this, she said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. So enjoy this process as you dream and you consider the vision God has planned for you. For many of us, it's time to stop and consider what's next for my life. What's next? What's the, what is this? This is an opportunity for all of us to get a fresh picture of what God might do. So let's think about this. Uh, For example, what's the most important piece to a puzzle? Okay, quick show of hands if you think it's the corners. Wrong. (laughs) It's not the corners. The most important piece is the front of the box. You're like, yeah, you tricked me. Yeah, I did. Because without the front of the box, how do you build it, right? Like, Like a picture to a puzzle, our lives take shape when we live with a clear vision of what could be. So are you guys ready for some homework? We've got some homework this week, okay, to get a clear and inspiring vision of what your life could be. We're gonna look, we're gonna ask ourselves 12 questions for visualizing your legacy. And this is, hey, if you do one thing this week, sit down and ask yourself these questions and really think about it, okay? First question is, what do you want your life to stand for? Second is, how do you want to be remembered for your family, by your family and friends? Third, uh, what will those beyond your circle of family and friends remember you for? What kind of impact do you want to have on your community? How will the world be a better place because you were in it? What contributions do you want to make to your field or vocation? Whose lives will you have made a difference in? How can you serve others? And what lessons would you like to pass on to future generations? What do you want to leave behind? What do you hope someone will say about you someday? And how will people remember your relationship with Jesus? Uh, Think about this. If you were writing the script, what would people say at your funeral? Every day we write the script for our funeral by the way that we live. Uh, I love this quote. It says, we all die. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to do something that will. And so the first pillar of our legacy is number one, a clear vision of what could be. And number two, a conviction of what I believe. A conviction of what I believe. What beliefs anchor your life? Everything I believe is anchored in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I heard someone say once, if a guy predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, we should do whatever that guy says. In Colossians, it says he is the one we proclaim. 
admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Vision without conviction is an empty dream. Or think of it like this. If vision is what you want to see, conviction is why you want to see it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream and a very clear vision, but the power that fueled it was a conviction he felt to the core of his being. It was a core belief that all people were created equal in the image of God. It wasn't just a vision that there wouldn't be any more racism or that people wouldn't hate each other. It was a conviction of God's love for all people because they were made in the image of the creator. His dream was built on a belief and his vision was fueled by an unquenchable conviction. What is your conviction? If I asked for a show of hands, probably everyone in this room would say that their family is a priority, that they believe their family is important. Intellectually, we can all say that our families are important and that they matter. It's the right answer, but it's another thing to live with a conviction of why my family matters. It's not enough to have a vision for a growing and expanding church that impacts the Bay Area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must have a conviction of what could be if our lives reflected why we believe that matters. It's not enough to have a vision for starting a business or writing a book or joining a serving team. We need a conviction of why it's important. So far, building a legacy requires a clear vision of what could be. It requires a conviction of what I believe. And next, an action-oriented lifestyle. Number three, an action-oriented lifestyle. Have you ever watched a movie that got you inspired to do something, like got you pumped? Whenever I watch a boxing movie where there's this buildup to the big fight and there's training scenes, that really gets me excited. You know, like Rocky stuff, like Michael B. Jordan punching tires in the desert. (laughs) These scenes are always so inspiring. They make me want to go work out. And you know what? Sometimes I actually do get a solid workout in the next day because I was inspired and then I took action. But other days, I just eat a burrito. No fitness trainer will tell you if you want to get in shape, just watch Rocky every day, right? (laughs) Like watch Creed. No, no fitness trainer will tell you, hey, hey, if you want to, here's my workout plan. Uh, Listen to a motivational speech every single day. No, inspiration can be great for a moment, but if it doesn't translate into a lifestyle, it won't take you very far. It will not lead to accomplishing your vision. Vision and conviction equals inspiration, but inspiration and perspiration gets results. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. The point isn't I can It's that I can do. That's where the action happens in the doing. In the parable of the faithful servant who pleased his master by being a good steward of what he was entrusted, upon return, the master says to him, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. He says, well done, not well intended. In Matthew, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The truth is, A lot of people have vision without action. As a pastor, I've been a pastor now for over 10 years and I've hung around a lot of people that have had a lot of different visions and a lot of ideas. But what separates those people with vision and ideas 
from the ones who leave a great legacy is whether or not they did something. Vision is like a computer, okay? You can do a lot with a computer, but you can also sit and watch Netflix all day. Benjamin Franklin, he said, if you do not want to be forgotten, as soon as you're dead, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. Hey, turn to the person next to you and just say, do something, do something. Let's do something. What will I do today that will leave a legacy tomorrow? I wonder, what are you doing with a sense of urgency? Myself and our team here at Brave, um, we've been doing a lot of things with urgency lately. We've been urgent with the renovations in Dublin as we approach our grand opening on August 8th. Hey, invite somebody. We've been urgent preparing for the relaunch of Fast Track that starts today in Dublin and San Ramon. You know, this class is vital because we know what it does for people. I stay up till midnight and the early hours of the morning preparing and working on teaching so that we can record these classes that we know will help people find and follow Jesus, that we know will connect people to their God-given purpose. For some of you listening, your next step is to get to Fast Track and just do something. Urgency means today matters, not tomorrow or the next day or next time or next month. Why wait when you can do something today? One of my dad's mentors and my mentor was an incredible pastor. He he was a very wise man. And one of the things that he would always say that stuck with me was just do today well. If you're at peace with how you did today, then you you can hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So let's review before we look at our last pillar. What does legacy require? A clear vision of what could be, a conviction of what I believe, an action-oriented lifestyle. And lastly, number four, and you might not see this one coming, but with all the vision, conviction, and urgency to take action, we also need this, number four, a commitment to waiting on God. A commitment to waiting on God. Legacy is built over time, not overnight. The things we remember about people may seem like highlights, but... How many of you know that your highlight reel took a lot of waiting while it felt like nothing was happening? Waiting on God is patience, but it's also a commitment to stay faithful. Even when God's timing and our timing isn't syncing up. Okay, waiting is so underrated, probably because when we think of waiting, we think of just sitting around. We think of time spent waiting as wasted time, but it's not. God actually wants us to learn to wait on him. When you wait on God, it brings all kinds of blessing into your life. It's how God strengthens you. It's how he protects you. It's even how he brings provision in just the right moments, in just the right timing. God is working while we're waiting and we can be working while we're waiting. Waiting isn't a timeout. It's a posture that says there are pieces of this vision that I know won't happen until God does something that only he can do. And I'm not gonna get in the way of that. I'm not gonna try to make something happen in my own strength because I'm committed to waiting on God. If it's not from God, I don't want it. In Galatians, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You don't reap a harvest in the same season that you plant the seeds. Waiting on God says, I trust God and what he wants to do in my life. Of everything we just talked about, 
everything that we've, we've considered when it comes to these pillars of legacy and how to build a life that will be worth remembering, I've seen waiting on God make the most difference. The truth is when we don't wait, we can miss out on some really good things that God wants to do in our lives. Look at Moses. Moses was the guy God chose to deliver his people from slavery. And he got impatient and he didn't get to see the promised land. Waiting on God recognizes his place in the story. We're not the heroes, Jesus is. Our story is part of God's story. He's the author. And he's written an adventure for each one of us if we wait on him. So with a clear vision of what could be, a conviction of what I believe, an action-oriented lifestyle, and a commitment to waiting on God, we can live a life worth remembering. Let's pray. If you wouldn't mind, out of respect for those around you, please bow your heads and close your eyes. This is a sacred moment between each of us and God. And if you're listening to this and maybe you feel a sense of faith rising up in your heart, maybe for the first time, maybe this is a moment that you're ready to take the next step and to put your faith in Jesus. It is our joy to come alongside you and help you learn what it means to follow Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all your questions answered. You just have to have enough faith to put your life and your future in the hands of Jesus to say, I'm ready to live for a greater purpose. And I wanna trust that the best way to live my life is the way of Jesus. If that's where you're at with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd love for you to raise your hand so that some of our pastors can see the commitment that you're making. And if you're watching online, there should be a link on the screen. But what I wanna do right now is I wanna pray a prayer with you. If that's the decision that you're ready to make, just go ahead, raise your hand as an outward expression that you're saying yes to following Jesus and agree with this prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you and I can't solve my sin on my own, but you paid the price for me and you welcome me to be a part of your family. I wanna live for you. I wanna discover the purposes that you have planned for my life. I say yes to the incredible adventure of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.